Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show over here on the Strickland YouTube channel. And if you were listening the day after the Strickland Podcast Network, Knicks lose. 118 to 117. I am Sam. I got Jeff with me, aka Frank Barrett 119. Um, Knicks lose a heartbreaker, um, wasting an RJ Barrett 44 mass 44 piece masterclass. Um, he also had 29. Oh, no, he also um was joined by Julius Randle, who had 29 points. Um and Emmanuel quickly had 15 off the bench in 21 minutes. Um, really a, a gut-wrenching loss. Um, RJ, one of his, probably one of his best, if not his best performance of his career. 44 points, um, 14 of 20 shooting from the field, 6 of 6 from 3, um, 10 of 13 from the free throw line, just doing it all getting it from everywhere on the court, anywhere on the court, dunking on folks. Like he just showed everything today. Um, And to waste this type of performance, it really, it really hurts. It really hurts. And it sucks that we've wasted two of these RJ Barrett 40 point plus performances in his career that he's had. Um, And yeah, I mean, it all comes down to free throws, I think, and probably some other things which we will get into, but I think free throws is the main thing. Um, in terms are we uh, are we sure RJ is a top hundred player? <laughs> oh man, Nick Wright, or should I say Nick Wrong? <laughs> what a you know, if you don't mind, before before we hop into the, mm-hmm. I just want to say I get his point. Like I, I'm not saying he's not right, but RJ's output has not been that of a top hundred player. Like I feel like we need to just get that if we're gonna be like good, smart fans it's okay to admit that like across the board rj's pure output has not been good like it just hasn't but there's a lot of context to it that is missed when you just go down the line through the stats so like i understand how an outsider can sort of miss the boat and i feel like what a lot of knicks fans think when they see something like that is they're like okay who's like some role player that like like you remember that guy seth whatever Seth Barnow now when he said Alex Caruso is better than RJ mm. like it's it's inarguable that all of the impact data would agree that Caruso has been more impactful than RJ but the question is is could you swap their roles like could Caruso you know do what RJ was trying to do what the Knicks were asking of him and then could RJ you know just be basically a super role player off LeBron how would he look if he was asked to basically just be a connector and a three and D guy you know like this is the context you need to get into. So I get how like in a vacuum, somebody could just look at RJ's numbers and be like, okay, he's an inefficient high volume scorer whose defense has been shaky at best. Like I can understand, but it's kind of missing the forest for the trees to not at least acknowledge that there's nuance and context there on both sides. Um, but it's, a, it was a really silly thing for set for Nick Wright to say, and I'm really glad that RJ bounced back. Yeah. He's been on to tear lately. Um, I mean, as of late, he's picked up the three point shooting, which is something that everyone has said, like once that gets rolling for real, then, you know, the offensive game can really um, keep pushing. Um, but yeah, as I was saying before um, tonight's game really came down to free throws. Julius Randle, two of five from the free throw line. 
Jalen Brunson, one for four from the free throw line. You're just not going to get a win. I mean, we lost by one. The margins are so ever thin. Um, and for, I mean, for it to come down to a one-point game and we miss, and two of your top paid guys miss a combined three, three, six free throws. There we go. Quick math right there. Um, Six free throws. They missed six combined free throws between themselves. Um, I mean, yeah, it just wasn't ideal. And then Jalen Brunson, I think altogether just didn't have a good performance. And this, this comes, this goes back to the Raptors game too. I mean, he does have the nine assists tonight, but like the shooting performance is what we really rely on him for. Um, His scoring ability, his ability to like, you know, draw the defense and, you know, get, gather some of that attention from a Randall from uh, RJ. So that way shots are easier for them as well as shots are easier for guys like Grimes as well. Um, and when he doesn't have it going, it just really makes it, you know, hard for the team to win games, I think. Yeah. I haven't loved his process for a while now, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to come off some Brunson hater. I think he's similar to Tibbs in year one. He's had a huge impact on just the foundation of this team. So I, I mean, I love Brunson, but once you kind of notice how many possessions start and end with him dribbling the ball, you can't really unsee it. Um, you know, we talked so much last season. I mean, me and you made fun of it because we kind of, our opinion is that's something different, but a lot of people talked about how badly we needed a point guard, but, and then, you know, early on when Brunson was playing really well and he's obviously still playing really well, it's, Oh, thank God we have a point guard. But like Brunson's not really like, how much more of a, a point guard is he than like, I don't know, like what quickly would be, you know, like, or like, I, again, and this isn't to say that quickly should be the point guard. I'm not, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that from a profile standpoint, Brunson's more of a combo guard. He likes to get his own shot. He's not, you know, what he's doing for others is bending the defense and getting the Nixon advantage. And that is absolutely something that he is, doing that we didn't have last year. Alec Burks wasn't creating advantages, you know? So, you know, thank God Brunson's here for that, but it's not like he's like Chris Paul, you know, running the offense and we're getting into sets, like a ton of Nick possessions start with Brunson dribbling the ball past the court, getting a screen or two, and then shooting like, that's just it. Um, And Hey, it's great when the shots are falling, but when you have back-to-back games like these, it looks pretty ugly. And, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but, it was Randall who was the distributor and the enabler for RJ. I thought Randall played one of his most disgusting quarters in a long time in the first quarter. He took nine shots and had zero assists. Um, I thought he was awful. I, I hated everything about his quarter. I thought the process was bad, but then he came out in the same quarter and RJ had it going still. And he basically just completely revamped the style with which he played with. And he made it his mission to make sure that RJ kept going and kept going and kept going. And that carried over through the third and the fourth. And like, you know, you can nitpick about some defensive possessions, but from the second through fourth quarter, I loved Randall's game. I loved what he did for RJ. And there are some possessions down the stretch. Um, You know, our late game offense was really bad. It was really stagnant. Like it usually was. Yeah, I, um, I, and that's why I hate when we're in these like shootout slash like close games because I know that's what's going to happen. 
Yeah, but the one exception I would say to that is when instead of going RJ ISO, we went RJ Mitch pick and roll. Um, the Nick or the Bulls, excuse me, blitzed that every time. They basically weren't going to let RJ beat them, and they didn't view Mitch as a threat. But they always the Knicks always had an exit valve at the top of the key, and when that was Randall he created he he capitalized on that advantage that was more good process from randall it was rj you know starting a scramble and randall capitalizing the two times it was brunson he caught the ball and let the bulls recover um so yeah i just brunson's game was not good uh i don't understand why tibbs had him in on that final possession like what we had a timeout so even like if if they scored and quickly was in, he could have called timeout and put Brunson back in, even if you want Brunson for offense. It's the last defensive possession of the game. You should have your five best defenders out in the game. I didn't understand that at all. Um, our great media, I'm sure they'll ask Tibbs about it. Uh, but it should be asked, like, hey, why wasn't your arguably your best defender out on the floor? Um yeah, rough stuff. Wild too, because quickly it was one of the people that were that was on the court um for guys um for defensive possessions um earlier this season. Like if you remember the Nuggets game, who was guarding right. Jamal Murray on that last shot, Emmanuel yep. quickly. Like he was the, he was in the game, so it's weird to see him stray away from that. And like it was just weird to see him stray away from a lot of things that were going well during the winning streak. Like um, he had like Randall play the first quarter today, which was something I don't think he really did that much during the win streak. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you're, you're not wrong. And okay. uh, it's actually, it's actually a point that I am very, um, I wanted to bring up. So I'm glad you said something. Mm-hmm. He's having like all three of Brunson Grimes and Randall play basically the whole first quarter now. Which is very weird to me because if you recall earlier in the season, he was polling Brunson at about the five minute mark with Mitch um, or with RJ. And he would bring, you know, Rose and quickly in a big in or he would bring Rose in a big in or quickly in a big in when Rose is out of the rotation. I don't get why he's gone away from staggering Brunson and Randall more. I think it's really bad for both of them because they're so similar they can do their best, but they need time apart. And it's also bad for the bench unit to have your two best players on the bench simultaneously. Like I like RJ with the bench, but mm-hmm. it's just, I don't understand what he's doing. Like why he's handicapping that bench unit so much. He's basically forcing quickly and RJ to play with Sims and Hartenstein, um, which is insane on it on its own. They're already like not the best initiators. And then he's like, oh, by the way, you've got to play with two centers who they're never going to pay attention to. Good luck. And I actually thought they handled it pretty admirably tonight. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't understand why he's to your point. I don't understand why he's changed the substitution and rotation pattern so much. Yeah, I mean, it looks it, it, it seems like he's just like relapsing, which is a term that, you know, Randall used when he got ejected. Um but yeah, it seems like Tibbs is relapsing. This is why, like, whenever he's doing something good, you can never really trust it for that long, which is why I'm so cautious with, like, giving him any inch of praise. And I haven't given him much praise at all. I mean, 
I've been saying all these post games that like every time that someone says like praise him has been praising him for like or like when the media has been praising him for, you know, going to this young rotation. Like this is something that fans have been calling for since last year. Like this is not like him discovering like fire or something like he didn't do anything special. Yeah, we were on here every post game saying like, why is this not happening more? The heat game from last season when the all kids lineup came back from 20 down or whatever. I mean. He shouldn't be given credit for being, and, and all the reports, by the way, um, have said that like Deuce has pretty much been forced into the rotation by the front office that he wasn't even behind that. So like we're giving him credit for like basically the general manager refusing to fire him and instead being like you have to play this kid and then it working out. <laughs> like um, I do think he has been deserving of some credit. Um, you know, I, I posted a pretty long thread about his defensive scheme and how it's outdated. And some of his defenders came in and basically said, like, if it's executed better, it can still work. And I was uh, indignant and I definitely think I was wrong. I think the Knicks have proven that, like, if they're willing to buy in and willing to give it their all, they can make it work. Um, I do think we got we've gotten pretty unlucky in shock. Uh, from a shot quality standpoint, the last two nights, like, I mean, there's just so many shots that I feel like the Bulls and Raptors have were making that they didn't have to make. And then so many looks that the Knicks got that could have went in, you know, I would be very surprised if the Knicks lost either of these last two games from a shot quality perspective. And then in the fourth quarter, how many straight points did the Bulls score from the free throw line? It was like 12, right? Like I'm pretty sure they scored 12 straight points from the free throw line. Probably. So it was a hundred. Yeah, it was a hundred and five to a hundred. Um, DeRozan makes two free throws. Levine makes two free throws. DeRozan makes two free throws. Okay, so no, so they made six. They scored six out of their eight points in like a five minute stretch from the free throw line. It just felt like they were being paraded to the free throw line in the fourth quarter to keep them in it. It was. That's not an excuse for the loss. Like we shot more free throws than from than them. It's you know I, I do think the refing was pretty bad, but. It was just I I feel like we really let this one slip through our hands and that's brutal. Yeah, I mean I'll complain about the free throws because it's something that's been bothering me the last couple games. Um I mean, like the DeRozan, like the Mitch block on DeRozan that got called a foul, like that's absolutely egregious. Um the fact that we have to keep using our 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 challenges early in the game to dispute like easily like calls that should not be called the way that they are and we can't use them later in the game for actual meaningly meaningful calls is so annoying and this was something that was a point of emphasis for me in that last game versus the raptors when gary i'm not gary trent he wasn't even playing um fred van vliet kicked out his legs on a three we had to challenge that um and we couldn't use our challenge later when brunson got called for a foul again on pascal siakam when he just fell on a jumper like that type of stuff this is why there needs to be a rule where if you win your challenge you get another one that you can use later in the game yeah that's that's the simple fix it is and hopefully the league does that this offseason because there are so many Knicks losses that I feel could have been just reversed by that simple decision right there um but you know I won't really blame all of it on the the refs because I think tonight was more of a free throw issue with us um a Jalen Brunson issue a Thibs issue to a degree, like 
I don't think Grimes or Brunson should honestly have been closing. Like either or of them could have been sitting um, for quickly because quickly yeah, it should have been quickly. It should have been quickly for Grimes. I won't go. I mean, look, I agree. Brunson's. I, I went on a whole spiel about it. Brunson's been bad. You can't. We're not at that point yet. You know, like he's he's earned playing through a bad game and honestly so has grimes to some degree um he's been that good this season but he's not a brunson level player and he has a direct backup in quickly who like me and you don't need to go on another rant about how good emmanuel quickly is but Mm -hmm. like he's really freaking good at basketball um so it's more reasonable in my opinion to argue that quickly should should have been in there in the end for Grimes and like you look at their two games you watch the games tonight um and you were about to say it earlier before I interrupted you um quickly was playing excellent defense on Levine before he was taken out at the end he got stops the last two possessions by playing perfect pick and roll defense scrambling around the the screen and close and uh recovering on a Levine forcing tough shots he He's just he's just so good. Like and especially when he's confident in a shot, like he has been the last few games. Uh, and Grimes has come back from an injury. He was, you know, he had a rough night. A thirty-six to twenty-one minute discrepancy just is it's inexcusable. And I love Grimes. It's just it can't happen. Um, yeah, so- I, I'm I'm one of the biggest supporters of Grimes as well. And I thought like he definitely shouldn't have closed the game tonight. I was hoping he was he would hit some threes because I had him as my last leg in the parlay. But I mean, in terms of like trying to win this game, I definitely didn't want to see him on the court um, just because like he just didn't have it. And, you know, sometimes that's just going to be the case. Um, and, you know, it's it's very weird that Thibs didn't trust IQ to be down, being in the game during that stretch because he's trusted him in so many other stretches um, in the fourth quarter before. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think at the end of the day, it is kind of a zero sum thing, especially when RJ is playing that well, because he's not going to go away from Brunson. So it's either uh, until the day comes, which Sam, when that day comes, me and you can throw a freaking party on here, but until the day comes when Tibbs is willing to go Brunson quickly, Grimes, RJ Randall, which by the way, in today's game has tons of merit. Um, that lineup can absolutely stay on the court with quickly and Grimes' ability to guard one through three together. Uh, RJ and Randall can both play up at the four or five. I mean, you're telling me that Nikola Vucevic is going to exploit Julius Randall on the block? Is that is that really what we think is going to happen? No, they're going to run a ton of pick and roll, and we can just switch that now. And okay, great. Like let let the, let them beat us with Nikola Vucevic. You know, like let 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 them do that. Um, but until that day comes, it's Grimes or quickly. It won't be both unless RJ is having a really brutal night. Yes. Um, Sadly. And Tibbs is just always going to go with the starter. That's how he thinks. That's how he operates. Um, and it stinks. It's too bad. It's it's. Too bad because we have a really good 23-year-old player who we are artificially capping. Yeah. Um, 
Here's a quote from Julius Randle. He said, I put a lot of this loss on myself, two opportunities there at the end to get rebounds, and I wasn't in the right position to do that for my team. Um, I mean, yeah, I'd agree. But, like, also, like, if you just make your free throws, too, I think a lot yeah. of that is just, like, it's it doesn't matter. I really like that from him. I mean, you know, we've been praising Brunson for saying similar things. You could almost make an argument that this is more impressive because – this wasn't on Randall. He didn't hijack the offense. I know a play he's talking about. I can picture one of the plays down the stretch when we should have gotten the rebound and it and it poked out and they ended up getting it. But okay, you missed a rebound. Like I, 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 I thought he, like I said earlier, I thought he played really good offense down the stretch when RJ drew two defenders. I don't think he went out of his way to, you know, make it his game. Uh, he hit that huge three to make to put us up six mm-hmm. uh, after missing the three in the same possession uh, that RJ set him up with. But whatever, like, yeah, I mean, good for him for, you know, from a team perspective of just being like, yeah, this one's on me. But look, man, I, I don't think this was on him. Uh, and I hope he's not. I hope he's not taking it like actually too hard. I hope he's doing it f- as like a leadership thing, because I don't think he deserves any blame for the game tonight. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't have much to say about yeah that. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I think I agree with what you said. Um, before we get into comments, it's time for everyone's favorite part of these shows. Um, well, there we go. The NBA season is heating up. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. See um, minimum age and eligible restrictions apply. See show notes or show description for details. All right, so comments. We got quite a few that came in, so shout out to everyone that's been in the stream shout out to everyone that's leaving a comment um chris bernhardt says i'm gonna say it that was really selfish by jb for not letting rj take that free throw at the end he was trash all night and he wanted to play hero ball Uh, i mean i don't don't know i'm look i i understand that perspective i understand rj's in the zone i personally am the tend to be more of a vacuum thinker and Brunson's a better free throw shooter than RJ. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to begrudge Chris for feeling that way or anybody else if you're feeling that way. And I'm not even going to say he's wrong because we'll never know how much flow and how much uh, the context of the moment impacts true percentages. But I can't, I can't knock Brunson for wanting the ball either, you know? So it's kind of a both ways type of thing. Uh, so, yeah. That's my, that's the best answer I have. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I mean, I don't want to like. I mean, because there's pl- there's been plenty of times that we've seen Jalen Brunson actually prevail in these moments, <clears throat> whether it be clutch free throws or any type of clutch shot or moment. So I won't be too harsh on him, but I mean, yeah, I would have probably preferred someone like RJ who had it going to you know get those free throws, but it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm not gonna excuse Jalen Brunson from not making those those free throws by saying someone else should have took them. Um, Kyle Lampasona. This looks like a new name. Welcome to the stream if you are new. Um, that loss was the worst pu- stomach punch of the year. But the way RJ was playing confident and within the offense is low-key more important than anything else. Got to keep the heads up. Yeah, I mean, coming off the... It's, it's hard to say that because when you come off the high of an eight-game win streak, and you barely lose the previous game because a player had like the absolute wildest game of their life. Um, and you go into an opponent, you go into a game with an against an opponent who you've completely d- dominated this year. Um, it it's it's hard to keep the heads up, but you know it's it's still early in the season too. Yeah, sorry. Um. RJ is the most important player on the franchise. Um, I think with every game he played, and he does, it doesn't even have to be this, but like we're now at like a 15 game stretch where he's near a 60% true shooting percentage and playing plus defense. Um, still has ways to go as a distributor. Last game he had five turnovers and zero assists, or maybe it was two games ago, but one of the last two games he had five turnovers and zero assists. Um, yeah, I think it was two games ago. Tonight, he had six turnovers and three assists, three or four assists. Um, doesn't matter. He's 22 years old, and he just put up 44-7-4 and four against a defense that basically, as early as the second quarter, did everything they could to stop him. Um, he, he is the most important player we have. And so just from a non-emotional standpoint, which is really hard to do, this game was really good for the Knicks and really, or not really good for the Knicks. It, it can still be viewed as, okay, we have some things to be okay with from a Knicks perspective. And that's RJ. That's quickly. Um, I think I, I've got to be honest. I think the Knicks are going to trade quickly. Uh, oh, wow. I think it, I just think it's going to happen. I think the more we see him play low twenties minutes on good games, I think the front office. I, I I think the front office is going to see that he doesn't really have a thirty minute per night ceiling on this team, and if he keeps putting in performances like this, where two way performances that are clearly good and is clearly going to draw interest from other teams, I think the Knicks are going to trade him at the deadline. That's my hot take. Um, so I hope, not. For, I hope not either. I mean, but. I mean, what what would be their plan going forward from there? Then, like, who's the they're going to try and build around this core? I think, right? Like, they're. I mean, and the who, eventual who would be play, the backup? Who would be the backup one? Well, I think they. I think part. Of, it, Fred was it Katz? It was either Katz or Begley. One of the two said they are never trading quickly for just draft compensation. So I think what they're gonna. I think if they do trade him, what they try to do is trade him at close to the best value they can on the season and get back a player who can help them plus some draft picks. 
And I think whoever they bring in would be the bench initiator that quickly is filling right now. That's just, I mean, I, I, and you know, I hate saying that he's my favorite player on the Knicks right now, but it just can't play 21 minutes tonight, man. Like he, he's not going to spend the rest of his career playing this well and playing 20 minutes. Like that's just not a realistic thing to ask of anybody. And the fact that he's continues to handle it this well is just such a testament to who he is and what his character is because look, man, I'm a, I guess I'm a, I'm kind of a bitch because I would have lost my shit years ago if I was him. That's just, it's just I mean, cool. hey, we've seen other players lose their shit too. Yeah. So, I mean, like we've seen the situation in Houston last year with Christian Lloyd, Kevin Porter Jr. Like this type of stuff, it can be get really volatile really quickly with, you know, unpredictable characteristics and people and whatnot. Um, but yeah, we got some good guys that, you know, I don't want to say they're like playing good soldier. My God, what is up with the Suns this year? They are whew, getting smoked right now. But anyways, <laughs> um, we have Ace Bouchard. He says this is Tyrese's fault. Um, I don't know how, but I will agree with you because he is not here. And, you know, what the hell, Tyrese? It's always okay to blame Tyrese. Yes, always. Just when in doubt, blame Tyrese. Um, Vivek says need Brunson and Grimes to run across the Brooklyn Ridge to get some cheesecake, like Diddy told the band. Um, okay. Um, we are going to Brent says Brunson heard the all star talk and decided to play like JJ Borea. All right, we're getting brutal now, we're getting brutal. Um, I mean, yeah, that's that's really that's really tough because I don't know. Let's not let's let's not sell our Brunson stock too soon. Um, I, it's hard for me because look, I watch other post game shows. I see other people talking about how oh, we needed a true point guard. And Sam, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we've always been aligned in believing that this roster has been underrated because of the coach's usage of the roster. And so when the eight game winning streak happened and you got people talking about how we'd be dead in the water without Brunson, I just don't agree. I don't think that this team is Brunson or nothing. Um, I, I will go on record and say that if you took Brunson off this team and just played this season out with quickly as the starting point guard, our record would look pretty similar. I think quickly is that good. Now, am I saying Brunson's a neutral player? Of course not. He's a really good player. He's really valuable for depth. He's going to be an all-star, but I think it's time we stop pretending like Brunson's came in here and taken up. He's did what he's doing, what Randall did in 2020, 2021. This was a 37 win team last season that the, that Pythag had at 42 wins. This was a 42 win team last season from like a, an expectation standpoint. Um, and all we did was lose Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel and Kemba Walker. Two of whom played no part in that. Um, and then Randall, RJ, Mitch, quickly Grimes, Deuce, Obi can all have reasonably be expected to improve. Mm-hmm. So you have a 42 win team where almost 100% of your roster is going to get better. 
what are we talking about here where we're two games over 500 and Jalen Brunson is this savior and we would be dead without Jalen Brunson? Like, let's enough of that. Like, let's give credit where credit's due, but let's let's not crap on the rest of the team to do it. That's stupid. And we have a bunch of good players, a bunch of good young players that deserve a lot of respect. And a few of them played really well tonight. So that's, I think, I think, I think a bunch of them have gotten their fair share of respect. Like on JJ Reddick's pod, he even shouted out Grimes and Deuce like by name. And I think a lot of people have like been quick to name those two as two of the main reasons why this win streak has happened. And I think a lot of people have been like, Hey, Thibs is playing the young guys. He, he like, he's finally, you know, letting them loose and they're finally being able to contribute and, you know, deal to and add to the win the win streak so i think i think i think the media has done its fair share of giving the credit to our young guys um and like but, of course Brunson, huh i i was speaking more to nick fans oh i think nick fans are too down on our of course there's the segment that's too high on the young guys you know and i'm probably one of them you know like i think uh, whatever i think about quickly i'm probably in the minority but and you know i love ob and i love grimes i i, I mean i i i before this season started said that danny green was quentin grimes's four so <laughs> i can't give anybody crap for being too high on our young guys um but i just i don't know i just i see twitter's toxic man it's <laughs> twitter's toxic i just see takes and they just they just get in, in ingested into my mind and i can't get them out of it but let's not let's not sell our Brunson stock too soon. But at the same time, let's not pretend like he's the only guy we got. Let's find that middle ground here, folks. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the young guys, they've definitely played a huge role in our win streak. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see that media has given recognition to that. I wish more of the fan base would give recognition to that um there's there are there are always going to be some segments that always have like their one set mindset so like you're never really going to change their mind um but yeah i mean i i i do think that this 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 young core has been underrated and i'm glad they're finally getting their respect especially on the national stage um we haven't even said mitch's name who's arguably been the second most important player on the team um, yeah, last couple of games have been rough for him, but yeah, overall during like that win streak, he was definitely huge for um the team in terms of like dominating the glass, which is a yeah. huge reason why we were winning games. I I just I just what he does is so unique, and it's been really hard on his backups because. Tibbs is such he just likes everything looking the same and Mitch is such a unicorn that asking his backup to just be like a worse Mitchell Robinson is like how is Isaiah Hardenstein supposed to do what Mitch does it's just it's it's not in the cards for him um so if if Tibbs is really just gonna expect any five to come in and play like Mitch I wish he would just embrace going small like I don't know I know that's unreasonable but we just have so many fun switch everything lineups with wings and guards. Cause especially cause we have two long guards in Grimes and quickly who can play one through three. Like did, I mean, gr- quickly single-handedly shut down like three fast breaks tonight. 
and that's just him using his wingspan. He he switched on to Vucevic. Like, oh man, I just there's so much low hanging fruit for this team still, and I just feel like we're not we're still not maximizing it. Yeah, sadly, oh my gosh, you know, life of a teacher. I'm losing my voice on this Friday before break. Um, let's see. Um, Hawkeye 420 says people will blame the four, th- four free throws, which technically lost us the game. But from the start of this game to finish, we played an annoying game. ISO ball and not defending a three is an auto L for us. Um, yeah, especially like, like late down the stretch. I understand Dibs is always going to do that. Like, you know, late game, you know, ISO stuff. Like that's his MO, like pick and rolls and like late, late game ISOs. But like, it's like I don't know how he can't see like how detrimental that is to this team. Um, like with the person not even just the personnel, but like just like from a basketball standpoint and like how like things should flow. Like ISOs and like heavy pick and roll work when you have like all stars and superstars on the court, like thoroughly. So like to do it um with the guys that we have and, and not to knock the guys that we have but like tr- trying to do it the way how often he does it's like you're giving yourself up to the defense like they know what you're going to do and like it becomes harder to create advantages like that yeah that's why it was so refreshing to see him send mitch as a screener um mitch has improved a lot as a screener just throughout this year his screens have gotten much better and then the Bulls did not want RJ getting downhill with a step. And they didn't trust Mitch to catch and go, which is fine. Like, I'm not saying that's bad defense, but it created a four on three elsewhere because the Knicks were sticking Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson at the top of the key as like an exit valve. And RJ found him every time. There was like three possessions where we had an advantage. Like we were create RJ Barrett was creating that advantage because the bulls weren't going to let him beat them. Um, so I agree with the ISO ball. There was a couple really brutal RJ possessions in there that were just like the team saying, okay, go. Um, You're hot. Like just try to figure some shit out. Yeah. But we showed in my opinion that we can at least run something, which is good. Um, and it also, by the way, one thing I like about Mitch being the screen setter, how many times have me and you come on here and complained that when Julius is the screen setter in these moments, he sets a haphazard screen and just plants himself because he wants the ball in that mid post spot. Mm. So it's not smart to use Julius as the screener there. And unless he says like, unless he's like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm going to actually start screening. Um but it does put Julius in a spot where he can attack and actually have an advantage. You know, when RJ is drawing that double and our best late game possession came when that happened with Julius playing off the ball, catching the ball and just going. Um, And one of the things me and you have criticized him the most for and said, and correctly said that Obi is better at is quick processing. So to see Julius just catch and go like that is actually really encouraging. Yeah, um, RJ, Fred Katz here with a quote from RJ. Um, RJ Bear on playing with pace and changing speeds more than ever before. A lot of film, a lot of film. The more you work, the more it'll show in your game. <clears throat> I mean, hey, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, or at least the proof is in 
the process as of lately. Zach Lowe wrote one of my favorite things just from a nerdy, nerdy basketball fan standpoint uh, last year about Obi Toppin. He, he said that there's certain players that you can just tell the game moves slower for them. And he said that Obi's one of those players that basically Obi's always in control. He always knows like where people are going to be and what the right pass is. RJ has always kind of leaned more towards Randall's side in terms of liking to assess the situation before going. Mm -hmm. And what I've really noticed is the game has slowed down for him because he still is very methodical in his movements, but it's never felt like as slow as before or at the same time, it doesn't feel out of control. He really feels just like, perfectly in control of the defense right now and he's manipulating and pretty much getting wherever he wants um which was another disappointing thing about his isos down the stretch i actually did feel like he was sort of forcing it and like sort of going too fast rather than letting the game come to him um but he'll i mean look he doesn't he hasn't gotten too many of those opportunities let's be honest it's been randall's crunch time for three years so um I think the last time I was on here, you said you were you were the one who pointed out you were like, you know, RJ has been better than Randall in those moments. And mm -hmm. I said you were wrong. And then we looked up the crunch time data and RJ has been better than Randall in those moments. So I hope he gets more of the those opportunities going forward, because I think he'll start to succeed more and more. I just believe in the kid. Yeah, I think the reason why we haven't seen so much of it is because obviously Jalen Brunson has been not even just the most dominant player with the ball, like in those situations, but like. He's been really good in certain stretches. Um, like, and when he's really good, it's like really loud too. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's see what else we have here. Brent says, I've noticed the negative side of Brunson's offensive game. They all miss shots, but I realize now, given his hard shot diet, how whenever he misses, we never get boards off them. I think he has zero Kobe assists for the year. That's actually a really interesting point and something I'm going to look out for. It's a statistical fact that the offense gets more rebounds on threes than mid-range twos. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, good good on Brent. I'm definitely going to look out for that more. Um, no argument about just, like, the process. I mean, I talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to vent about it again. I, there's just too many possessions where we're not running an offense. It's just Brunson go to go to work, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the offensive rebound thing is really interesting. So thanks for that comment, Brent. Yes. Thank you. Cause that is something, I mean, I, I, I knew of course that like when you take the threes, the, the rebounds are a little bit probably more likely for you. Um, but yeah, this is very interesting. Um, and you know, I think more people at the Strickland would probably be looking out for this as well. <clears throat> oh my gosh. Let's see. Um, Hawkeye four twenty brings up that Brunson got clamped by Io for most of the game, and Thibs nor his father on the bench did anything about it. Um, he also says Mitch didn't have a single lob attempt. That was wild to see. Uh, about the second comment, I noticed after the first Bulls game because we played the Bulls back to back last week, they made a distinct effort to get to take Mitch off of like the glass and to take his lobs away. Mm. Um, 
I think that spoke wonder. I think that spoke volumes, excuse me, about the respect they have for Mitch uh, and the impact, the ways he can impact the game without, you know, demanding touches or anything. Um, Really the only touch of his that I can think of is that quickly late in the shot clock play where quickly kind of had that really creative pass kind of, you know, the pass back and Mitch kind of caught it and then turn around and missed the layup. But I can't, I can't think of anything besides that from Mitch on the offensive end. So yeah, the Bulls really did a good job trying to take him out of it. There was a play by Grimes where he he drove in and he did he did that little dump off thing. Yep, he's um, gotten really good at that. Very very good at it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you you really love to see that growth from him. I, I'll be interested to see if we ever use him uh, in like secondary action, like um, let somebody screen for him and have him run pick and roll because I think that's the next step for him. Hmm. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting to see, um, given the added on-ball reps that he's been anticipating um, in the offseason with his workouts. Um, Let's see what else we have here. Brent says, I like the idea of RJ and IQ running the second with um, Deuce, but rather have Sims at center. We need Obi back badly. Yeah, I mean, with Obi... It became really evident during that, um, what you call it, during the Raptors game, someone came on here. I think it was Hawkeye420 that asked, like, would Obi have made a difference during the Raptors game? Um, So the next morning I woke up and I was like, hmm, let me actually look up what Obi's numbers are versus the Raptors. Because I said during the stream, I was like, Obi has great numbers versus the Raptors, at least in my recent memory. But when I looked it up, um, for his career versus the Raptors, he's averaging about like 16 points per game. Um, and a lot of it is because of the, the heavy dosage of minutes in those last three games where he had the 19 and 10 game. He had a 19 and six game, I think. And then he had that 40 point game in the last game of the season. So, um, yeah, he had a heavy minutes load, but like there's something there with him getting his advantages versus the Raptors, um, that I'm, I still can't really pinpoint, but there's something there with him. Um, and yeah, but yeah, I think Obi definitely would help this second unit out a ton, especially with like the added activity of IQ, RJ, and Deuce in that unit and putting someone like Sims next to him. Although they occupy the same space, I think if like Obi's going to be shooting at least hopefully close to what he was shooting in October, then, you know, it really gives us a huge offensive lift. Yeah, I mean, I think quickly misses him the most um and you saw that early on once he got hurt like that was part of what coincided with quickly's little slump there yep um but yeah i mean how many there i mean sims played 10 minutes tonight and there were at least three Knicks possessions that at some point had kickouts to sims wide open in the corner where he just couldn't do anything and yeah, that cool little adjustment he's made where he dribbles into a handoff and gets a catch and shoot three for a teammate is it's creative and it's nice, but um, it's just, it's not helping quickly in RJ's development process for what it's worth. I don't know if you knew this, but the Sims Hartenstein's minute, excuse me, Sims Hartenstein or Stein minutes have been super successful. Um, I'll look it up right now, but 
I think there's something like plus 15 per hundred when playing together. So <laughs> it's hard to be too, wow. it's hard to be too like hard on that lineup because they've been doing really well together. Let's see. All right. I have it up right now. So they have played. Where is it? Sorry. They have played. What the fuck is this? Oh, Jesus. I'm an idiot. Sorry. All right. Let's try this again. They have played. Is NBA.com being stupid? It's being really really stupid. And now I'm just. Okay, there we go. They have played 72 minutes together and they've allowed 112.5 points per uh, per 100 possessions and or excuse me, they've scored 112.5 points per 100 possessions and allowed 100. So plus 12.5 net rating in 72 minutes together in 13 games. And what and what lineup is that again? Just just the minutes Hardenstein and Sims have played together. Mm. So, I mean, it's not like it hasn't been successful, but at the same time, you can see visually how it's restricting quickly in RJ and how it kind of prevents them from like, getting into a flow you know and i i think that has adverse effect the rest of the way nah maybe i'm making that up though <laughs> yeah i mean like I, I i've said before that i think the lineup works it works when you use it the right way and you use it for like you don't overuse it because i think that's what's been happening lately and like certain teams are just able to exploit it um better than others have so you know it's just going to be something that teams are looking forward to now. It's like, it's the whole thing about predictability. The Knicks, they need to make themselves a little bit more unpredictable in terms of lineups, rotations, plays, the, the whole thing, basically. But we're not going to get that. We should just be happy with, I mean, some people are going to tell us we should just be happy with the fact that he's even playing the kids in the first place, which to your point, I, I guess, but like there's still so many things that he does need to do that, would help even elevate the floor of this team even more. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah, I think uh, what you what you just said was perfect. The some teams exploit it better than others, and we need to be less less predictable. And Obi very much brings a lack of predictability because he doesn't have his action like planned. He reacts to what's in front of him, which is basically as unpredictable as it gets yep um and you know that's what just makes him that much more of an exciting and interesting player um so hopefully you know whatever that injury that he has is healing so quickly um no pun intended there um and he returns to the court very soon because i am anticipating how he looks with this second unit and what happens with the sims hartenstein thing like where does dibs go from there um, I assume he's stick, he sticks with Hartenstein. I've assumed other things that have been wrong with already this season with the Knicks. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. I think he should go with Sims. I think he will go with Hartenstein. So I'm with that. <laughs> um, and Hawkeye for 20 says, I've seen enough from iHeart. I don't care if he's being misused. He can't rebound for shit. We desperately need Obi back, even if he doesn't rebound well. I mean, with Obi, it's just all about the activity. Like, the activity is, 
like his activity can cause enough chaos that like it doesn't matter that he's not really rebounding as well and i don't think it's been that bad either with obi like obi has some games where you know he can get some boards and whatnot so you know i wouldn't really harp on that point too much about obi and rebounding but yeah yeah uh the obi rebounding thing is really overblown um so there's two two things that go into that one the leaking out thing that you just said um look, that's going to hurt your raw rebounding totals. And the second is raw rebounding numbers aren't the way to, uh, they're not the way to analyze who good rebounders are and aren't. How your team rebounds with you on the court and doesn't rebound with you is far more telling because rebounding is a team thing. Um, unless, like There are certain people, very few people, who are just so good at individual rebounding, they can be like one person rebounding machines for the most part, you know, someone like Mitchell Robinson is one of the most valuable rebounders in the league. Um, and if you look at raw rebounding totals, I know they're higher this year, but it's about boxing out and it's about just how your team performs. Um, the Knicks are pretty neutral with Obi, so he's not killing them. He's a good, he's, he's fine at boxing out. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he's really good, but this whole idea that we would get smoked on the glass with Obi any more than we would get smoked on the glass with like Hardenstein or like that Randall is this almighty defensive rebounder when the data says that Randall's pretty close to neutral as well. I don't know. I just don't buy it. Yeah, totally. Um, it's never something that's really like bothered me as much. I think it's just, it's just I think the, the, the Obi rebounding thing is like a point that like, it's easy to latch on to for fans that like aren't really that big on Obi to begin with. And like other people have ran with it without, I guess, actually factually um, backing it up. Um, But yeah, I don't think Obi's ever like, like you said, the data showed that he's been neutral and like, that's what it seems like it's on the court. Yeah. I think people are so used to like this, like this thing where like, it looks, it appears as though Randall's grabbing so many rebounds that like, when he comes off the court and it's for Obi, Obi's not really going for the rebounds as much as Randall. So it's it makes it look like he's a bad rebounder when that's just not the case at all. Yep. Um, it's like Obi would be considered a better rebounder if he just, instead of leaking out and trying to create extra offense for the Knicks, hung back and got those low leverage rebounds that Randall gets. Like, And this isn't a crap on Randall thing because I actually – I what I just said 10 seconds ago, I was speaking more about his totality as a Nick. I think he's actually gotten way better in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 games in terms of boxing out and battling for boards with with uh, the opponents. So, you know, anybody who had qualms with what I said about how and wants to talk about how he's been playing recently, I'm totally um I, I totally get that, and I, I agree, actually. So, but for you know, I'm just saying that Obi could get you know some of the uncontested rebounds that Randall's gotten too, and his his rebounding numbers would look more respectable. Yeah, like you said, he's just always leaking out, which you know helps create extra advantages. Um, all right, let's see what other comments we got here. Um, JL says that first Brunson miss free throw was so bad. I can't remember the last time I've seen a good free throw shooter miss that badly. 
man i i just knew i was saying i think before we got on here i was saying like man i just knew jalen brunson had caught whatever free throw bug is going around on this team man because randall he had that great stretch versus the pacers where he hit six straight and then ever since then he like is basically shooting like what 50 percent from the free throw line basically um and like Jalen Brunson didn't have it going anyways offensively. And the fact that we were relying on him in a high pressure moment um, and the team is struggling with free throws. I was just like, yep. I I didn't think he was going to miss both. I thought he was going to miss at least one. The fact that he missed both was very shocking to me. Um, And the fact that they really like bricked hard off the the thing too. Like the first one was like two o'clock. Like on the clock, like it was like long and or like whatever. It it was. I mean, to Jail's point, it was one of the most the one of the worst free throws I've ever seen from a good shooter. Just way off. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's it these Jalen Brunson games when like he has these bad games, they are really really bad. Um, I mean, he had the dishing going today with the nine assists, and he had the twelve assists last game, but like. We really rely on him to be a shot maker, and when he is not making shots, it's very rough to see, as we've said earlier in the show. Yeah. He just – he's a very weird star in that way because, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, he's he's a point guard, but he's not like an elite distributor, and he doesn't offer much – like, like the reason me and you love quickly so much is because quickly can't kill you. He get, he he went one for 12, like seven games ago. And like, even in that game, you could point to stuff where you were like, he's helping you in that area. When Jalen Brunson goes five for 15, he's not helping you. Like he's just not. Um, and Look, I mean, the good news is, is he's so such a high median shooter because he's just so consistent for the most part. These games are going to be far and, and few and in between, and we'll be back to you know calling for him to be an all star. You know, probably probably on Christmas, but soon enough. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Um, yeah, I mean. Here we go. Um, okay, for 20 says, I'm unfortunately with you there, Jeff. It is clear they don't view IQ highly, which makes zero sense. They will regret that trade for years to come. I'm really just hoping that they don't do it because, like, he's just that good of a player that he's always giving you something, whether it's offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, the thing, the funny thing is, is with Grimes and Brunson playing. What did they play tonight? Um, I know Grimes played 36 minutes. Do you have any idea how many minutes Brunson played? I would, I would assume at least 36, right? Um, Let me pull it up real quick. 38, yeah, 38 minutes. So there's two guard positions, 48 minutes between them. There's 96 minutes. Um, even if you assume that Brunson and Grimes are going to play these crazy minutes, which they won't. I mean, that's 74 minutes. Jesus Christ. It's only 22 minutes available. Okay, so this kind of disputes my point. But the point is, is that there's a world where you just have a three-guard rotation because quickly can play both point guard and shooting guard. His versatility is his biggest strength. Um, so if we had a coach who, you know, 
let's just say hypothetically, he pulls Brunson at the five-minute mark and puts quickly in, lets Grimes finish the quarter, and then Brunson, or excuse me, Grimes and quickly play the last five minutes of the first quarter together. And then when Grimes comes out to end the first quarter, he just puts Brunson in and then quickly slides to two. And so quickly gets the lead ball handler minutes for the last five minutes of the first quarter. And then Brunson plays, you know, you can just stagger that way, you know, and you can just basically have Brunson as the full-time one Grimes is full-time two and quickly just hops in between based on if he's playing with Brunson or Grimes. Now I love deuce and I, I I'm happy that he's playing. I'm just saying hypothetically, if we wanted to keep quickly, there's a world where he could play 25 to 30 minutes a game that doesn't involve getting rid of Brunson or Grimes. The three of them can play 30 minutes a night. Will this coach do it? I know what Sam's answer would be. <laughs> no. And are we going to get a new coach anytime soon? Probably not because the eight game win streak definitely bought him <laughs> the rest of the year. Oh boy. What have we gotten ourselves into? I mean, the best we can do is just, you know, enjoy the wins as they happen, you know, and just enjoy that we finally do got whatever youth movement. And this is whether it's, you know, the the way we want it to be or not. Um, It's whatever. Um, Let's see. Jordan Bob says, for modern coaches playing RJ at the four, um, was the play when Mitch couldn't handle Vucevic and what it also does is IQ more minutes with Brunson, Grimes, RJ, Julius. Yep. 100%. Um, it's just modern basketball. It, it, look, if, De- if DeMontis Sabonis can be a full-time center, Julius Randle can play 10 minutes a night at center with yeah. OBL. He just can. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a that's a good comment. What, what, what's the... What's the old school quote? Uh, I have, that was perfect. I have no response, you know, like that. <laughs> yep. Um, JL says team struggles to play good at home, but also feels like so much goes against them. Pat will clanking a three so bad that Randall wasn't able to secure the rebound was so fake. Yeah. I also said that like, and I also said like us playing at home, we probably have to have one of the worst home court whistles ever for a team in the league. Like the way that we get no benefit of the doubt for any calls is like kind of crazy to me that we have to challenge calls so early in the game that we can't use them later in the game because the call is so egregious that it needs to be reversed at that moment because like momentum changes off plays like that. Like it's just insane to me. Yeah, we get a bad home whistle. I mean, tonight was not great. The Siakam one was unbearable. Um, but I think to just to add to your point real quick, one other thing is that every team gets up to play at MSG. It's like it's not even arguable. Like the players talk about it. Like there, this is the everyone's favorite place to play. Um, I mean, how many fucking career highs are we going to give up? Like we're a good defensive team, and guys just get up to play. So that's that's unfortunate, you know. Like uh, I mean, you hear defending champs talk about it all the time how there's a regular season hangover because opponents, every opponent you play is treating the game against you as like a playoff game because they're getting up. Well, in a weird way, the Knicks have to deal with that too. Like teams very rarely come into MSG and lay an egg. Um, 
And that's can be good, you know, because it forces the Knicks to lock in. And especially when you have a coach like Tibbs, who his biggest strength, in my opinion, is getting his players locked in. Um, but it's obviously also not great because you need some breaks. <laughs> you just do. Yeah. And we don't get those breaks, which absolutely stinks. Um, <clears throat> let's see. All right. So I guess we're getting into the next game now. Virgil X says, what's going to happen against Philly? Last two game results aside, Knicks have a good chance. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers, they've also been like pretty good as of late, I would say. Um, I mean, today... James Harden had a 20, 10, and 20 triple double, and James and Joel Embiid had 40 points um, versus the Clippers in a comeback win versus them. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's a really tough matchup for us. Um, Embiid's going to shoot. 20 free throws like that always happens they they, mitch is going to be in trouble um is maxi still hurts him yes no maxi's good um helps a ton i'll be very interested to see the grimes versus harden matchup because derozan is the only other sort of crafty foul drawer that we've had to deal with in this time with grimes in the starting lineup and RJ normally guards him, and and honestly, I, I think RJ actually handles that matchup really well. I think he does a good job for the most part. Um, so I'll be very interested to see, because I, I don't think Grant, uh, Harden's going to be able to like dust him off the dribble. So it'll just be about how Grimes deals with his his craft, you know, like it, how much Harden will be able to get to that step back, how much he'll be able to fake the step back and get high him. Um, it's a big matchup for Grimes. In my opinion, that's probably the most important matchup of the game. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's much stopping Embiid. So, and isn't isn't Tobias Harris one of those weird guys that Randall always gets up to play? Doesn't he just always like try really hard for some? I think so. I think so. Um, also, though, Tobias Harris has been like on somewhat of a tear. I mean, minus his yeah. last game, um, where he had just 14 points today, but like before that, he's been on a tear lately. Um, and, you know, we've had we've had our fair share of power forwards coming to MSG and, you know, do their thing offensively. So that is something to look out for. I might put some money just a tad bit over on um on Tobias's overs. Um, might just do that. What's um, the uh, what's the timetable on uh, Obi? Um, they say he was supposed to get a re- it, 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 it's been 15 days since like the initial like i guess report of his injury and they said they were going to reevaluate him in um two to three steps two to three weeks wow <laughs> can't even like my brain is like melting right now yeah, um but yeah two to three weeks they said they were going to evaluate him cool and they also said i think the also the other update also included that he is currently um running in the pool but not on like hardwood yet so there's that cool good oh i mean we, we need him back uh but we need to see rj at the four more that i mean if if something comes out of this game 
Um, I mean, we were both surprised at how well the Hardenstein Sims minutes have been, but it's just we 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 need to see RJ play at the four more. We need to unlock that lineup a little bit more offensively. Yeah, I mean, if like the if the Bulls are able to put DeRozan at the four for various stretches, you should be able to put RJ at the four. And the way he's been playing as of late, it definitely would help him and help the team a bunch. Um, Because it just helps you stagger and try different lineups that you never know might be good. And I mean, given our track record as Knicks fans in terms of knowing what to do and knowing what things can yield positive results, I would trust our opinion once again. But once again, we are not coaches, so we obviously don't know anything. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's just so frustrating. Would you? So I, I guess I, I guess I want to take this to the next step. Let's say we're going RJ as the backup power forward. So we're building a rotation with RJ at the backup power forward. Would you then go to an eight-man rotation, or would you bring? Would you dust off Roser, maybe even Fournier or Cam? I, I mean, I, I know those aren't options. I'm just asking what you would do. In terms of what, if what happens? If you're trying to build a nine-man rotation that goes away from the Sims Hartenstein, and so you can only mm. have one or one of Sims or Hartenstein as the backup center, our backup power forward full time is RJ. So RJ's playing all ten of the minutes that Randall sits as the power forward. Would you? Well, Obi is out. Right, right, exactly. Okay. So we've got quickly we've got deuce we've got one of hardenstein or sims who would your ninth man be if you were trying to build a nine-man rotation or would you just play eight guys i'd give cam a chance i mean i think he definitely deserves it um i give him I'm a chance. by no means cam fan but i agree neither am i but yeah i would give him a chance i mean if he's willing to like fully buy in and whatnot then yeah it's just i mean i wasn't here for it so i guess i i, I didn't get to get the my my taken but it's what a weird situation because it's just so funny to me because i mean we all knew that we he wanted grimes to be the starter but like just go back and read or listen to what some of the smart knicks fans takes were 10 15 games of the season when cam like was playing well as a starter right there was a there was a game we won in denver when he led the team in minutes you know like he played like 37 minutes Mm -hmm. and I just one bad game in Dallas, one bad shift in Dallas, and that's just it. I don't know. It's just it's a very weird situation. You don't see that very often. Yeah. I mean it was rough. I mean, before the Dallas game, what was before the Dallas game? Because I feel like that game was also maybe like a precursor to that as well. Well, he was hurt, right? No, I think he played the the game. Let me see. Hammerdish. Let me just pull up his thing, his box scores at least. Before Dallas, we lost to the Bucks at home. And he played. Yeah, you're right. He played 14 minutes, but he was just one of one. We lost his minutes by one. Like. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't know why he didn't really play. I mean, before that, he had six points in 17 minutes in a blowout win in detroit Mm -hmm. um before that memphis game they lost he had 11 points on 67 percent shooting 
Um, and then before that, he had 11 points versus the Warriors at Golden State on 38%. He, he started that game, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. He so. Starts, so he starts the game against Golden State. He gets hurt. And then he misses three games, and he comes back, and his starting job is just gone. And three games, four games later, he's just out of the rotation. That's just that's just odd. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, just very weird. And again, we're not you know Cam fan by any means. Yeah, I'm not. But I was like so kind of befuddled by him leaving the rotation. But yeah. All right. Let's see what else we have here yeah, a lot of people just wondering so jordan bub says how many free throws will this game have the it's christmas day game i mean one of the first games of the james harden um joel and bead regime was versus us and that game was absolutely so annoying so many free throws yeah it was bad I don't remember I mean, how many, but it was bad. This has got to be a hard game for you, Sam, because, I mean, I, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now, and I feel like for a bit there early on, your number one your number one non-Nick's agenda was anti-Harden. <laughs> you, oh, man, you shared one of, in my opinion, the funniest videos ever. That video that just showed all of Harden's playoff failures, and they had that song that was like, let's do it oh. one more time. Yeah, yep. man, that is that. Is, I I watched that like ten times and just cracked up every single time I watched it. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I mean, guy's a loser. Um, but you know, he's lost his step. I mean, he's gained some sort of like craftiness. So it is going to be interesting to see how the Knicks do approach that and like who they game plan for more. Obviously, it's probably going to be Joel Embiid. Um. We're gonna do our best to contain him. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a very annoying game just in terms of the free throws and because it's it's at home, so we already know we're gonna get a bad whistle. Um, surprisingly, I have to say that now. Like we're at home, so we're gonna get a bad whistle, which is like so stupid. Um, but that's the way things have been working in the Knicks. Well, not in the Knicks' favor, but um yeah, I mean, I fully expect them to give, you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid the Pascal Siakam, Jeremy Grant special where you can get into the paint. And even if like it looks like someone touched you, you will get the whistle in your favor. Man, I totally forgot about that Jeremy Grant camp. What the fuck was that? Yeah. There's another case of, you know, us getting a very awful whistle at home. There was legit a call where, like, no one touched Jeremy Grant on a layup, and they gave him a whistle. Legitimately, no one touched him. It was wild. He shot 28 free throws that game? Yeah. He's played 12 games since, and aside from one game, hasn't shot more than seven free throws once. Yeah. 28 free throws. Like, what the hell? Because you know we we all the Knicks just couldn't keep their hands off Jeremy Grant for some odd reason that <laughs> night. Like everyone was just like absolutely hugging him as soon as he went to the basket. Apparently to the refs, so oh, stupid. But yeah, I'm expect I'm expecting that level of performance from the the refs on Christmas Day. You know, it's Christmas Day in the NBA, and the the refs want to make it all about themselves. 
Yeah. Let's see, what the, let's see what the comments we have here. <sighs> um, JL says, Fujovic shot clock prayer early in the fourth quarter, barely grazing the rim, which led to an offensive rebound in Kobe White three. Oh my gosh, I remember that play. We played such great defense on that possession, and Deuce looked like he was about to get like the long rebound. And then, like, they the Bulls somehow retain it. They get to Kobe White. He hits that three. Um, another example of the fake shit that happens at MSG. Yeah, I mean, always. Always. Yeah, it, it, I, I know exactly. It was 96-89. And, I, I mean, I tweeted about it. Quickly played one of the best individual defensive possessions you'll see. And there was no Bulls around that rebound. It was, like, three Knicks there. And then it just rolls out to Kobe White on the perimeter. He gets a three, and then the Knicks come down and quickly misses a three, and then Kobe White hits another three. It was a 6-0 run that didn't have to happen. And, yeah, it's just, yep, fake shit that happens in MSG. Can't describe it any better. Yeah. Um... All right. I think... We will end things off with JL's last comment here, which says RJ gives us a performance like this on Christmas and we win the game. These last two games will be forgotten pretty much, pretty much. I mean, they'll be forgotten to a degree. There's still some process things that, you know, looks like Dibs is relapsing into. So we will see as is my favorite thing to say with the Knicks, because you never know as you see with Dibs and him, you know, ever-changing status there. Um, my brain is leaving my head. I am my brain <laughs> is going my brain is going on vacation mode because I have finally completed like work. work. Yes. And <laughs> it is time to like be on break for like a week or so. Um, so catch us at the next game next post game after christmas um maybe tyrese will be back i don't know if texas didn't like freeze over because <laughs> uh, they don't know how to handle cold weather down there um because it's like foreign to them um, i mean i i just want to say because we were just talking about other games mm-hmm. yeah i mean this these games will be forgotten you can Sorry. Um, those games will be forgotten if we, you know, we went on Christmas. I agree, but those games also add up. Like how many games have we won this season that maybe we shouldn't have won? Maybe the Pacers game, um, maybe the first Bulls game in Chicago, but I don't know. We kind of ran away with that one in, uh, in overtime. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking through it. Like, okay, we won at Philly. Uh, really early on when Tibbs started, when, when, when Tibbs' job was on the line and Obi saved him. Okay, that's maybe a game we shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, won. But both Memphis games, um, and now the Toronto and Chicago game, the Portland game, like there's five, we're 0-5 in those games. You know, make that 2-3. and three. And the, these losses add up, you know, like that's all I'm going to say is like, yeah, we'll, we'll forget about them. But I mean, eventually you got to start winning close games. It can't be another season where we're 
five games below our Pythag expectation. We can't just keep losing those these close games. Eventually, that's we somebody's got to answer for that. It it looks worse. It looks worse on Thibs and it looks worse on like the front office because like they brought Jalen Brunson here to kind of like mitigate that issue. Yep. Um, and if it's not something that's solved, it looks bad on all fronts because it's like, okay, you paid a hundred mil for this guy and we still can't fix this major glaring issue. Yep. And we're we see it. Like I, I'm pretty sure I heard you or Tyrese say on one of the post games recently. The nothing, nothing's changed really. It's just Jalen Brunson is Alec Burks now. It's the same offense. <laughs> it is. It's let Jalen Brunson cook, and that's it. Before it was like let Alec Burks try to cook, and then like then he'll pass it to Julius or RJ, whoever has it going between the two, and let them figure it out. And yeah, yep. So I mean, the, the, those problems aren't going anywhere unless you know, unless, unless changes are actually made. Which they will not, because if you know, if the Knicks are able to pull off, you know, another whatever win streak, or like win this many games in this out of this many games, like if we're like winning like ten out of like thirteen, then like they'll be fine. The front office will be fine with it. The coaching staff will be fine with it. Like yeah. as long as they're winning in some capacity, then they'll be okay um but yeah i think we'll end things off here um shout out to everyone that pulled up you know left a comment shout out to people down there that are watching from the twitter stream i know you can't comment over there sadly i don't know what's the deal with that um but hopefully you were able to join on youtube if not pull up over on youtube whenever we are live leave a comment we'll react to it we'll give our take on it um especially if my brain isn't like spilling out of my ears um <laughs> But yeah, um, check out everything stricken related in the description. We got links to the site, merch. Um, wow. Um, site, merch, Twitter, and Patreon. All great ways to support us. We are also on Instagram at the strict.land. Um, just in case Twitter happens to self-destruct, as you can see. Elon Musk keeps changing the website and the app and destroying the app that we all love and know. Um, so if he continues to do that to the point where it's a piece of dust, um, check us out on Twitter. I mean, on Instagram. So there's that. Um, hope everyone has a safe and happy holiday this wintry season as it is blistery, blistery cold outside. Hopefully you are all staying warm. Um, leave a like, subscribe, and we will catch you guys after the Christmas Day game. Peace out. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.